0: You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be rounding up the weekend's action from the Premier League. We're going to be talking a little bit more about Arsenal's victory up at Watford, and later on today, or later on Well, first thing tomorrow, if you're listening via the audio, we're going to be releasing a very specific episode around that fixture and looking at one Arsenal player in particular, who I think it's probably fair to say his form has dipped off just slightly uh, this season in comparison to what we saw previous. We're going to do a real deep dive on Kieran Tierney and why, uh, in a lot of people's opinion, that is. Now, some people will completely disagree with that. Some people will say that actually his form has been... um, as good as ever. But I think there has been a bit of a dip off with Kieran Tierney. And I think it's something worth doing a bit of a deep dive into and a bit of a a further discussion on. So if you're a YouTube viewer, you'll be able to access that live from 5pm this evening. If you're an audio listener, that'll be available to you first thing on Tuesday morning. Okay, Uh, let's get into it. Let's review the weekend's Premier League action. Let's first of all uh, run through uh, some of the scores. Uh, Bear with me one second. Here we go. Can I share this to your screen? Yes, I can. Okay, so let's start off with Saturday's games, Uh, the games that took place on Saturday. Leicester 1, Leeds 0, Villa 4, Southampton 0, Burnley 0, Chelsea 4, Newcastle 2, Brighton 1, Norwich 1, Brentford 3, Wolves 0, Crystal Palace 2, Liverpool 1, West Ham nil. And then, of course, on Sunday, Arsenal won at Vicarage Road uh, by three goals to two, whilst Manchester City thumped Manchester United. OK, let's uh, let's go through some of these games. Let's break them down. Let's, of course, start with the Arsenal game, which is, of course, uh, the most important game of the weekend. And we talked about it a lot yesterday. We talked about how free-flowing Arsenal were in attack, how encouraging it was to see the team play in such a fluid way going forward. Um, so, so much uh, to, you know, be positive about and to really, really, um, you know, kind of wax lyrical over. couple of causes for concern. And, you know, I said on the review show yesterday that because what we saw wasn't something that we're seeing every week in terms of that defensive vulnerability, I wasn't going to make a massive deal about it. And I'm still not going to make a massive deal about it. But it's just a warning sign. It's just a, a reminder that we can't get too comfortable in our pursuit for the top four because we have got some really, really difficult games still to play. And lots, as I keep saying, has been made of those games in hand. And the fact that Arsenal being behind everybody else is this big you know, advantage that they have. I keep saying it when you break down the fixtures that we're talking about, the fixtures in question, the games away to Chelsea, at home to Liverpool and away to Spurs. They are not easy games. I wouldn't be surprised, as positive as things have been this season for the Arsenal, if we lost all three of those games. And therefore, you can't be getting carried away. You can't be allowing yourself to fall into the trap of believing that this top four thing is done. It's not. It's far from it. And Arsenal are more than capable of of achieving it, but they're also more than capable of cocking it up as well. And we can all be honest about that. You know, everybody else can talk. People outside of Arsenal can talk. People can talk about how it's ours to throw away and how we're in pole position. Let them talk. Let's not ourselves, though lose track of where this team is in reality, because there were some shaky moments against Watford. Although for the most part, we were very, very good. There were some shaky moments. There are mistakes in the likes of Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, as we saw yesterday. I mentioned right at the top of the show, Kieran Tierney's not really performing at the level that we've come to expect from him over recent years. I think there are reasons for that, which I won't go into now because I want to save it for that special tactical deep dive into Um, but, you know, that his form has not been great. We're still quite vulnerable at right back, even though Cedric's done okay. Do you trust him week in, week out? I'm not really sure. Um, and, and so there are areas of this Arsenal team that you look at and you say, well, they're still susceptible. You still feel like we're one, two more injuries away from being in a real difficult spot. And for all of those reasons, it is impossible, in my opinion, to get carried away at this point. Are we in a good position? Yes. Are we in a better position than most people would have expected at the start of the season? Absolutely. But lots and lots of work is still to be done. So let's not get carried away on that. You know, Saka, Odegaard, brilliant. You know, Martinelli's goal, brilliant. You're seeing Thomas Partey, I think, perform at a much higher level on a much more consistent basis in the middle of the park. That whole granite Xhaka on the left side of a trio thing, is that really working? I think sometimes it does. I think sometimes it doesn't. And so, you know, there's just so much to get into and so much to discuss and so many reasons as to why you cannot really, if you're being honest, take your Arsenal hat off for a second, put your hand on your heart and say that Arsenal finishing in, you know, the the top four is done. It's not. There's a long long way to go. And I'm very mindful and very wary of that. Um, Before we move on to the other games, let's let's get some of your comments. Let's get some of your thoughts uh, in the live chat box. Um Let's see uh, what we've got. A big hello to Justin. He says, good morning, Arsenal fam. Sco says, as fun as it is to watch the vids posthumously, uh, it's good to be here for my first live chat in a while. Hi, everyone. Hi, Harry. Uh, I hope you're good, man. Uh, he also goes on to say, was just watching ESPN. Some of the pundits think that Arsenal are quote, in with a shout of the top four, geez, Arsenal getting praise from some pundits is like blood from a stone. I do think that there are a lot of pundits that are reluctant to praise Arsenal. And I do think that comes from a place where, uh, from which, you know, they've criticised us so much, they now look like flip-flops if they change it completely. But the the the, the very you know, the very essence of an opinion is it is that it should be fluid, is that you should be able to change it based on the evidence you're seeing in front of your eyes. And I, and I totally agree with you. There are a lot of people out there that don't want to change that opinion, that are unwilling to do it. But when they say we're in with a shout, it sounds a little bit disrespectful, but I think there is some credence to that in that it's not done. I don't think in with a shout is the right term. I would say that Arsenal are in pole position to achieve it now. But to say in with a shout, while it can sound disrespectful, is obviously, you know, in some ways accurate because it's not done, as I keep on saying. Uh, Big hello to Harold, who joins us. Uh, Big hello to Matt Guna, who says, morning, Harry. Great result yesterday and great to see you again, man. And you, man. Um, Great to see you, man. All the best. And uh, yeah, you're right. Really positive uh, result for sure. Uh, Big hello to Jalen, who joins us from the States. Um, Steve Stone says, I'm pretty much with your review last night, Harry. We were brilliant in certain areas and extremely fragile in others. I think that's right. Uh, Pat says, happy for Arsenal to be under the radar and not to get praised uh, by the pundits. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I'm kind of past that phase of, of sitting there going, well, come on, give us praise. I, I don't care. If Arsenal achieve what they set out to achieve and if Arsenal can go on and finish in that top four, I will be buzzing. It would be one hell of an achievement, it would cap off a really good season. And as I was saying to someone at the game yesterday, this is not, you know, what you're seeing from Arsenal now, this is not just, you know, the last few months. You know, Arsenal were very good in the second half of last season in terms of the way they turned around their form. Yeah, there were some poor performances in along the way and there were some disappointing moments. The Europa League exit was right at the top of that list. But overall, you know, Arsenal have been on an upward trajectory now for the best part of a year and a half. And and so we should be positive about what we're seeing. And therefore, we should be quite confident that we can go on to achieve what it is we've set out to achieve, which is, of course, uh, trying to get back into Europe and, if possible, getting back into the Champions League. So, yeah, um, we are where we are. Okay, let's, let's go back to what we were supposed to be doing, which is reviewing uh, the Premier League fixtures in general. Um, from this weekend. Let's start off with Leicester uh, 1, Leeds United nil. Now, um, Jesse Marsh's first game in charge of Leeds United. A lot of mixed feeling around the sacking of Marcelo Bielsa. I know from speaking to Leeds fans, uh, Jeremy, my producer at TalkSport, was um, is a very big Leeds fan. And we were talking on Thursday ahead of the show about the decision to let Marcelo Bielsa go. And he was very much of the opinion it kind of needed to happen, but it hurt. You know, and and Marcelo Bielsa has built and developed such a strong bond and strong relationship with those Leeds fans over the last couple of years because of the wonderful work he's done there. And so to let him go was always going to be a difficult decision. But I think Jesse Marsh, even in his first game in charge, showed that there is a way of finding a little bit more balance with this Leeds United side. Now, I know they went on to lose the game. I thought they were really unlucky to lose that particular fixture. I thought that they played the better football. I thought that they were in control for large periods. And I thought they could have scored at least two or three goals in that fixture. Got done by a sucker punch at the other end. Good finish from Harvey Barnes, who's had a really good season. Uh, But Leeds, I think, should take some encouragement from that performance. Was it the result they wanted? No, um, it, it certainly wasn't. But there was so much to be positive about because although they never really lost that attacking spark in terms of creating chances, in terms of... Um you know, in terms of pushing forward and in terms of being a nuisance, they showed far greater balance from a defensive standpoint, showing and proving to everybody that there is a way of achieving that with this lead squad. I think if they keep doing those things, if Jesse March keeps, you know, doing what he's doing, then I think that Leeds will pick up points, enough points between now and the end of the season to see them survive in the Premier League for another year. Aston Villa for Southampton 0. Well, this one came as a bit of a surprise to me. Not Aston Villa winning, because I thought it was quite an evenly balanced contest. And being at Villa Park, you'd give them the slight upper hand. But Southampton have been in really encouraging form of late. And of course, um, you know... Aston Villa have been struggling. So to see them win so convincingly, I thought was was a bit of a surprise, but they were brilliant. They took their chances. They created wonderful opportunities. Felipe Coutinho pulling all sorts of strings and proving to people that he's not finished. He's not over the hill. He can still do a job in this Premier League. And I thought he was at the centre of everything good that Aston Villa did. Big, big win for Steven Gerrard's side. And it's typical, isn't it? Sod's law that they're going to pick up a bit of form ahead of our fixture, which is coming up uh, in a short while. But, you know, Southampton, disappointing day, disappointing afternoon. Will they read too much into it? I don't think so. Still in the FA Cup, still going very, very well. Miles clear of the relegation zone, which is, uh, and, and the drop, which is something that people felt they could slip into. Uh, this season. Hasenhutl continues to defy the odds, continues to play uh, really attractive uh, and good on the eye football. So yeah, I I think if I was a Southampton fan, I'd obviously be disappointed with the result in isolation, but it doesn't really change the grand scheme of things for Ralph Hasenhutl's men. Whereas for Aston Villa, it was a very much needed win. People just starting to ask questions of Steven Gerrard, who of course uh, started his Aston Villa career brilliantly. And then. Just saw it tail off a little bit. So big result for Villa. Um, A poor one for Southampton, but not really an alarming one, is is how I'd put it. Um, Chelsea went to Burnley and won by four goals to nil. Now, there was a part of me at half-time of this game that was sitting there going, is third place open for the Arsenal? Are Chelsea going to drop points and leave the door open? And should we not just be looking at fourth place, but be looking at going one further and finishing in third? that thought started to creep into my mind during halftime. And then Chelsea came out in the second half and completely destroyed that, proving that they still have uh, lots of quality, lots of talent, that Thomas Tuchel still a very good manager and that, you know, their, their up and down form this season has been, you know, something that has obviously been frustrating for them, for them but something that, you know, I think, I think we've got to recognise that, Liverpool and City, in terms of their consistency, are just on a completely different planet to everybody else in the Premier League. So we can't be too harsh on the likes of Chelsea for being, you know, a little bit off of that. They, of course, won the Champions League last season under Thomas Tuchel. We'd only been in the job for a short while, and that raised the level of expectation for that side this season. I still think that they probably will finish in the top three now. Um, I thought they'd be closer to City and Liverpool than they are. But, you know, third place. And there's no reason why they can't go on and win the Champions League again, or at least get to the very latter stages on their day. They're capable of beating anyone. And they turned it on in that second half and really put Burnley to the sword. Um, I think as well, you know, perhaps we were overplaying Burnley's chances going into the game or perhaps people were... Based on what's going on at Chelsea at the moment, it's obviously a huge distraction. The whole sale of the club, uh, the Roman Abramovich issue, the fact that Roman Abramovich is, of course, trying to sell the club and that there are a number of parties interested in taking it off his hands, serves as a bit of a distraction. Thomas Tuchel's had to deal with questions constantly about the situation in Ukraine. And while, you know, we can't shirk that and we shouldn't avoid that subject and discussion, There's a part of me that sits there and thinks, well, Thomas Tuchel is not the guy waging this war. And, you know, Roman Abramovich has some questions to answer, but Thomas Tuchel doesn't. Some people would say that, well, you get in bed with Roman Abramovich, then you deserve it. I still think a football manager is a football manager. And whilst they have a platform and and a voice from which they could, you know, spread the right messages, I don't really think it's Thomas Tuchel's responsibility to sit there and talk about a war in detail. Having said that, the Chelsea fans, of course, pre-game chanting Roman Abramovich's name during that period of appreciation for Ukraine and period of solidarity, if you want to call it that, I thought was out of order. Um, I think for me, though... We Sometimes we expect a level of maturity from football fans that just doesn't exist. And, you know, people will say, oh, you know, they're, they're not real fans. They're not fans that, you know, they're just idiots. Well, they are fans because they've travelled from London to Burnley. Um, and this is not to dig out Chelsea. This is not to really lay the boot in on Chelsea. But they are those people that did that were morons. You know, their timing was awful. It was so bad. And, and I credit Thomas Tuchel for making that point. But the issue here is that these fans, if you want to call them that, they they exist at every football club. I was in the away end at Watford just today, and I heard some absolute drivel and nonsense being spouted out by people that are Arsenal fans that have made the effort uh, to go and watch the club. But you know, you're asking, you know, you're asking football fans to display a level of maturity that throughout history we've shown as a group, as a collective, not as individuals, but as a collective that we just don't have and it's wrong and it should be called out and it should be condemned. But if I was to sit here and say, I'm surprised I'd be lying because that type of thing is, is, is very much expected nowadays. And it's, it's sad. It's wrong. It needs to be dealt with. But, you know, I'm, as I say, I'm not surprised that that happened and that that went on. And, you know, Roman Abramovich has done good things for Chelsea football club. Of course he has. Just be sensitive to what's going on at the moment, and be sensitive to those people whose families are being shelled and bombed on a daily basis. And and you know you can you can appreciate what Roman Abramovich has done for Chelsea without having to chant his name of all times during that period of solidarity for Ukraine. I mean, do they chant Abramovich's name every week? I don't know, but it just felt like the timing of that was out of order, was stupid, was uh, it showed a lack of maturity that, as I keep saying, um, I've, I've come to expect from, from the football fan population uh, in general. But a good win for Chelsea, a very big win, a very convincing win based on that second-half performance. Newcastle continued on the right path with another victory, this time over Brighton and Hove Albion. Eddie Howe. Has done a really good job there. I know they've got the power to go out and bring in players. I know they did go and bring in players who significantly improved their chances of survival during the January window, but he still had to knit it together. He still had to make the existing group believe again. And what I think is most impressive about what Eddie Howe's done is exactly that. It's the fact that you're looking at players like Joe Linton, like Ryan Fraser, who just weren't cutting it previously, uh, weren't having the impact that they could have or should have, and they're now performing at a really high level. That is a testament to Eddie Howe. He's gone in there. I think it was an appointment that a lot of people raised their eyebrows out. At myself included, when they were being linked with the likes of Unai Emery and various other managers who have who have achieved uh, big things in the game, to then look at Eddie Howe coming in, you thought it was a little bit underwhelming. And I think I might have said at the time that this was a, a, an appointment made with the idea of relegation on their minds that they thought that if they do go down, Eddie Howe could be someone that could bring them back up. But he's proven a lot of people wrong. And that was another big, big win and another big step towards survival. As for Brighton, they've gone off a cliff a little bit, you know, and and this always seems to happen with Brighton. Uh, They get into a position where they look like they might push on and they might achieve something perhaps extraordinary, and then they drop off and they don't. And they're now down in 13th place, having lost their last four Premier League fixtures. The the thing is, I think with Brighton, you've got to be realistic in assessing, you know, what Graham Potter's done. He's done a really, really good job overall. And at the end of the day, if Brighton avoid relegation, they've made their target. You know, if they finish in the top half, great. Um, That's looking unlikely at the moment, given their current form. But you you just look at it and you think this is Brighton levelling out more than it is Graham Potter doing a bad job. Brighton are levelling out to their actual level. We saw them go on this incredible run at the start of the season and people were sitting there going, what the hell, you know, where has this come from? Graham Potter for England, Graham Potter for Man United, Graham Potter for Arsenal. You know, we heard all of that talk. It it doesn't mean though that because they've dropped off that Graham Potter's changed what he's doing or he's not doing the right things anymore. It's just a a levelling off, I think. Of brighton's standard and brighton's level um and, and that's i think the reality of it uh norwich one brentford three big big victory this for brentford and the, the the defeat that i think ultimately condemns uh norwich city to relegation i think they've been favorites to go down for a long long time in everybody's eyes but i think this victory was so big for brentford because it now opens up uh, a six point lead between themselves and burnley down in 18th now of course Burnley still have two games in hand over Brentford, but they were on a slide, Brentford, and people were starting to get seriously concerned. They're still not out of the woods yet, and there's still a lot of work to be done for Thomas Frank's side, but um, to win at Norwich is a is a big and positive result. And to get Ivan Tony scoring again, who, let's be honest, has been underwhelming this season. You know, I had lots and lots of Arsenal fans telling me that I was wrong to not consider him as as the guy we should have been going for in the striking option. I kept saying, not sure about him, not sure if he can translate that form into the Premier League. His goal stats will be propped up quite nicely now, having scored a hat trick, two of which were penalties and one was a tap in. Um, and people will say, well, look, he's managed X amount of goals, doesn't really tell the full story. Context is everything, and Ivan Tony hasn't contributed to Brentford for a very very long time uh, prior to the weekend, so you know, that argument about is he a championship level or Premier League striker? Well, he's done it this weekend, but it was against a championship standard side. So Ivan Tony, for me, still overrated, still not quite at the level uh, that he needs to be for for Arsenal to consider him, in my opinion. Uh, But yeah, big, big win that for Brentford and a game that probably condemns... Norwich uh, to the drop, although it was pretty much expected anyway. Uh, Wolves lost at home to Crystal Palace by two goals to nil. We really did screw up Wolves, didn't we, with those back-to-back victories. Um, Maybe the nature of the the last one at Emirates Stadium, the lateness of it, maybe that... uh, dealt them a real big blow mentally. Uh, But to see Wolves lose at home to Crystal Palace was a surprise. It was a shock. Credit, though, to Patrick Vieira, who continues to do brilliant things at Crystal Palace. Now... I think that, you know, he's proven time and time again this season or on a few occasions this season that Crystal Palace are capable of going and producing really good and solid away performances from a defensive standpoint, but also can be really devastating on the counter-attack. And they did exactly that again. Remember, notably, they won at Manchester City earlier on in the season. Um, So credit to Patrick Vieira's side. He's, He's really surpassed expectations. Crystal Palace currently sit, and I know the table is a little bit Uh, of a red herring at the moment just because of that disparity between the number of games some of the teams have played because of the COVID postponements and all of that. But Crystal Palace currently, as it stands, sit in 10th place. And this is a team that so many, including myself, had concerns over with regards to relegation. Patrick Vieira's managerial career prior to coming to the Premier League, it didn't look great to me. It didn't look inspiring to me. Um, But he's gone a long way in this season so far, in proving to me that he's a much better manager, a much better coach than I initially envisaged. So fair play to Patrick Vieira. He's proven his doubters wrong on a weekly basis. And um, and it's brilliant to see. You know, we always have lots of love for Patrick Vieira. And as many of you know, who have listened to me or followed me for a while, Crystal Palace is a team that I've got a little bit of a soft spot for as well. So to see Vieira and Palace combine and do well is is obviously a big positive. Okay, Uh, Liverpool defeated West Ham United by a goal to nil. Perhaps slightly fortunate, though, to get away with that result. I didn't think Liverpool were at their best. I thought that West Ham were really lacking a cutting edge in the attacking third and and really should have uh, got on the score sheet. They'll be really frustrated and you're seeing their top four uh, challenge slowly falling away as well. I think it is between Arsenal, Manchester United and Tottenham, although that's dependent on what they do tonight. Of course, they take on Everton Uh, in that one. It's a big, big game for for both sides. Everton uh, looking, of course, to uh, escape from their relegation troubles while Tottenham are looking to keep pace with the top four race. So, yeah, um, I think you're starting to see West Ham fall away just because of a lack of depth, really. And I've seen David Moyes getting a lot of criticism from West Ham fans on social media about uh, the lack of transfer activity in January, uh, some of it's been directed at him, some of it's been directed at the club's owners. But at the end of the day, West Ham United are still punching well above their weight. And I think it's so, so important to note that and so, so important to remember that when assessing their recent run of form, which, let's be honest, you know, it's it's not as positive as they'd want it to be. It's not great. Um, you know, they've won two of their last five. It's not really top four form. Um, when you consider that Arsenal have won four of their last five, uh, you can see why Arsenal are beginning to open up an advantage of them. Arsenal, three points clear of West Ham at the moment, having played three games less. Okay. Um The big game on Sunday, uh, as far as the neutrals were concerned, was the Manchester derby between Manchester City and Manchester United. Ralph Ranick tried something different. He really, really did. He tried... um you know, he, he tried to do something that that would catch Manchester City off guard. And I think in the early stages, it did to a degree. But Manchester City's superior quality uh, just all came to the fore as the game went on. And, you know, I, I keep saying this about Man United. You know, you can sit there and you can dig out Ralph Ragnick and you can dig out Oli Gunnar Solskjaer before him and Jose Mourinho before that. The reality is that there's been a real lack of a plan at Manchester United for many, many years now, since Sir Alex Ferguson left, if you want to go back that far. And like Tottenham, they keep avoiding what the actual problem is. The actual problem is that lack of direction, that lack of clarity about what the future needs to look like, and then the implementation of the relevant plan. They keep chopping and changing managers. They, they've they got a squad of players that is... Very inspiring in some ways, you know, players who on their day can be brilliant, the likes of Pogba, Fernandes. Ronaldo wasn't available, of course, uh, yesterday, and there's even speculation around whether he was genuinely injured or not, which is not helpful for Ralph Ranick. But the point I'm trying to make here is that everything at Manchester United has been rotten to the core for a long, long time, the same way it has been at Tottenham, the same way it was at Arsenal prior to the last 18 months where Mikel Arteta's has really been able to get his own stamp and authority on this team. So I'm not surprised to see Manchester United go to somewhere like Manchester City and get battered. Manchester City are, are brilliant. They're great. They're fantastic. They can do that to anybody. And it's why I didn't massively overreact um, in the games that, you know, we've had against them where we lost both. I think you you have to recognise their level, but you also have to look at the problems at Manchester United and understand that they're not problems that just appeared uh, this Sunday. You know, Ralph Ragnick has got a massive job on his hands. Doesn't look like he's going to be the manager moving forward and permanently. Um, and, And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's he's there as an interim and, and that has its own issues as well. You know, do you get the buying of the players? Probably not. Uh, do you have time to implement what you need to implement? Probably not. Uh, so, you know, I can understand why he's finding it hard. And I think actually some of the criticism coming his way is probably a little bit unfair as well. So that's my Premier League roundup. Let's round up uh, by looking at the Premier League table. But while I do that, uh, I just want to get your thoughts Um and your questions from the live chat box. So please do, any questions you have on the Premier League, on Arsenal, chuck them in the chat box and I'll pick up as many of them as I possibly can in the last 15 minutes or so of the show. Uh, Before we jump to the league table though, and while you're getting your questions in, don't forget to hit that like button. Don't forget to make sure that you're subscribed to the channel if you are new. It really, really does help and we'd love to get to 20k by the end of the season. So like, subscribe, you know the drill by now. If you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. A quick reminder that we have partnered up with our good friends over at Football Prizes. You can win a Ben White signed and custom framed football boot. Uh, All you need to do is uh, click on the link in the description. It will take you straight over to Football Prizes' page where there is much more in-depth information about how this all works. It's basically buying a raffle ticket. There's a limited number of tickets available. You can enter for £5.95 and you then go into the draw to win these fantastic prizes. And there's lots more Arsenal stuff to come. They gave away a signed and framed Thierry Henry Arsenal shirt last week. I mean, what more do you want than that? Ben White, real up-and-coming star at the club. And you have the opportunity to win a signed and custom-framed Ben White football boot. All you got to do is enter £5.95. You've got to be in it to win it. Remember, check it out. The link is in the description. Okay, let's uh, have a look at the Premier League table as things stand. Manchester City restoring their six-point lead at the top of the Premier League over Liverpool with that win against Manchester United. But of course, Liverpool have a game in hand, which is that game at Emirates Stadium. Uh, Chelsea are on 53 points in third place. The Gunners now just five points behind Chelsea with a game in hand. And of course, we still have to play them as well. Uh, So third is not out of the question, but let's just focus on getting fourth and let's not get carried away uh, just yet. Uh, Of course, moving further down the table, the relegation uh, battle is, of course, very, very interesting. Burnley, who have put together um, or or started to put together a decent run of results, have stuttered uh, again, of late, they take on Brentford next. They'll be hoping that they can take points in that one, which is really a relegation six point. I've talked about Everton's uh, position, which is very precarious at the moment. But of course, they are yet to play. Uh, this uh, this weekend. And when they do play tonight, they'll still have at least a couple of games in hand over most of the teams around them. Work to be done for Frank Lampard's side, but they're not relegated just yet. Uh, Leeds, unfortunately for them, didn't manage to pick up a victory or any point uh, from Leicester City. And that continues a really dreadful run of form, but encouraging signs from Jesse Marsh's side, at least this weekend. So that's how the Premier League table is looking. Arsenal uh, sitting pretty in fourth. That looks good, doesn't it? Uh, but of course, still plenty of work to be done for the Gunners too before we can say uh, that that fourth place is indeed ours. Okay, let's go over to the chat box and see uh, what you guys uh, are saying. Um, uh, Peenyween says, uh, Arteta's doing such an amazing job considering everything he's had to deal with. I think he's done a really, really good job. And I think it would be, an amazing job if he manages to finish in the top four. And I I keep saying this, like part of where we are is because of where everybody else is. Okay. So I attribute 50% of of Arsenal's, um, you know, of Arsenal's league position to the progress that we've shown on the pitch, not just in the last few months, but over the last 18 months, let's say. And the the other part of it, I attribute to everybody else not being at the right level. And so you got to remember that if we finish in the top four, it would be a brilliant achievement and it would really be something to celebrate. Uh, you know, in years gone by, we, you know, people used to take the piss out of us. Why do Arsenal celebrate a top four finish? This time, if we made it, given where we started and given where people thought we'd end up this season, I think it is something that we can celebrate. But, you know, it, it's not done yet. And and I'm so mindful of getting caught in the hi- kind of hype and the bandwagon. I, I just don't want it to happen. Uh, so I'm I'm still being really reserved about it all. Uh, Jordan Davis says, do you think Arteta can win the Champions League in two or three years if Arteta gets us in the top four at the end of the season? Look, never say never, because the Champions League is a cup competition. But I think for now, I think maybe, Jordan, with all due respect, you're getting a little bit carried away just because... We haven't qualified for the Champions League yet. We've got to do that. And when we do that, then the next step is to make sure that we consolidate our place in the Champions League, i.e. to achieve that on a much more regular basis. It's been a long, long time since Arsenal were in the Champions League. Far too long for a club of our size and of our stature. So we need to get back into that top four first and we need to get back in there regularly. Then we can set our sights on, on looking at the big two. And the big two for me are the Premier League title and the Champions League. Um, But we're just not quite there yet. Uh, Nikomo says, Harry, do you think our defensive frailties at Watford were due to Tierney being shaky or Tommy missing or a lack of tracking from our wingers? I think that it's a bit of all of those things. I think Tommy Asu gives us a lot more stability defensively than Cedric does. But I do think Cedric has a better delivery on him when he gets into the final third. I think that Tierney has looked shaky. And has looked below the level we've come to expect all season. And Kieran Tierney is going to be the focus of my analysis piece that we're putting out later on tonight. 5pm, you can join me uh, for that one live on this channel at UK time. Audio listeners, it will be with you first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a combination of those things. And we'll come on to talk about the um, the uh, Tierney element in detail, as I say a little bit later on. Uh, big hello to uh, Graham Cordwell uh, who says, Harry, are you a fan of James Ward-Prowse and would you stump up the cash to sign him in the summer? My targets this summer would be him and Darwin Nunez uh, from Benfica. I'm a fan of James Ward-Prowse. Uh, aside from his obvious uh, you know, set-piece ability, I think he gives you a lot of other positives. I think he's very, very good uh, in terms of his work rate, in terms of the way he closes people down. And I think he'd he'd fit into Arsenal's pressing style. I mean, it's a very similar pressing style to that that Ralph Hasenhutl is trying to get across at Southampton as well. So I think he'd be a good fit. But I always think that we we've got to scour the markets and look around because I keep talking about the need for Arsenal to invest in a smart way, given our current situation, given the financial results that we've just seen. We don't want to halt the progress. We don't want to not continue moving forward, but we have to be mindful of the financial position that the club is in as well and, and what that means. And I just think that there are a lot a lot of the time players out on the continent who are just as talented, who can be got for uh, far more appealing prices, i.e. lower prices, i.e. deals that seem a lot fairer. The issue is that, of course, you, you have that well, can they cope in the Premier League? Can they adapt to the Premier League? That's always the risk that you run. Um, I like James Walpas, but it would depend on the fee. It, it really, really would uh, for me. Uh, Sakaya says uh, North London derby is yet to be rescheduled. Are Sky and the Premier League trying to schedule it for a time when the stakes are high. Probably it feels like that. Uh, it's unfair, but the the hope for me is that if we can continue on the run that we've been on, and if we can continue to pick up points um, with the regularity that we've managed to do in in recent weeks and months, then the North London derby could be a bit of a non-event. It will never be a non-event in terms of I would never care about it because it's Arsenal versus Spurs. It's the North London derby. It carries a lot. But I would love to be in a position where we're going into that North London derby not wanting to lose it, but knowing that losing it isn't going to derail our season in, you know, by itself. And I think that taking that pressure away would almost free the shackles up and and give us a much greater chance of going to Spurs and winning. So I'm I'm hopeful that we can continue marching in the right direction and turn the North London derby into a, not a non-event, that's the wrong term I used, but a less significant event than it potentially could be. And that would really stick it to the broadcasters as well, who are clearly delaying it. For that reason, if we got to the point where, you know, it didn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't the be all and end all. Um, Omar brings up the Tierney point. I'm going to talk about Tierney a little bit later on. Ray Anderson brings up the Tierney point too, so it's clearly a point of discussion at the moment among the Arsenal fan base. We will talk about Kieran Tierney in great depth and detail on our stream later on today. Make sure your notifications are turned on. Uh you can come and join me at 5 p.m. UK time for that one. Very interesting show lined up. Uh put quite a bit of research and work into this one. So I'm looking forward to sharing it with you as well. And I'm going to get a written piece on the same subject out on the 90 min website as well in the next sort of uh 12, 24 hours. So yeah, um look forward to sharing that with you as well. Okay. We are going to leave it there. I am going to wrap up. Um, Over a couple of hundred of you with us live right now, which is incredible. There's no reason, guys, why we shouldn't have 100 likes uh, by the time the outro plays. So please do hit that like button. It really, really does help. Share the video, comment, (coughs) I beg your pardon, on the video. You know the drill by now. Check out our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Check out Football Prizes as well. The links are all in the description. Subscribe to the 90 Min channel as well. And I'll be back very, very soon with more. Until later, take care. At the Arsenal. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.